You are listening to Mountain Bike Radio. Balls. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Just Riding Long, brought to you by Pro Gold. Veterans? Yes, veterans. Because without our veterans, we probably wouldn't be doing a radio show right now. We might have been taken over by another country, or at least not have enough oil to power our cars and run this one. Um, But that's besides the point. We'd like to hear it just riding along. Thank all of the veterans out there, um, past and present, uh, for your service and, uh, you know, for watching out for us and doing a job that not a whole lot of people can do. So, getting into our show tonight, we are without Full Face Kenny. He is what he self-proclaimed as super sick, um, and he's not referring to his whips on the trail. He's talking about uh, nose aids. So nose aids. I put that towel there just so it would annoy Kenny. Well, Kenny's not here, so. Yeah, so Matt is sitting on Kenny's side of the table tonight. So if the sound levels seem off from what you're used to, it's because Matt is much closer to the microphone than usual. Balls. (laughs) I don't know why Matt wants to talk about balls tonight, and I honestly have not asked. Um, Someone please call in. The number is 646. 595-4113. That way, if you call in, then we won't have to listen to Matt talk about whatever it is he wants to talk about. Um, I need to put that on Twitter real quick. Can you talk about something while I do that? Um, Yeah. Why don't you talk about your race? We we both raced cyclocross on uh, Sunday. There was the Outdoors Inc. cyclocross race, which is the the longest, the Mid-South Cyclocross Championship as well as the longest-running cyclocross race in the United States. So, Matt, how was your race? Um, maybe a little bit more about the race first. Um, the Outdoors Inc. race is put on, obviously, by Outdoors Incorporated, um, and they're a local place here in town that Kenny works. I used to work. Andrea used to work. Um, it's all pretty good stuff, um, pretty cool, but the... And this is actually segueing into something else, so we can all talk about our, our race experiences uh, jointly. Uh, the reason that the outdoors races last the longest is largely in part to the fact that Joe Royer, the owner of the company, is very dedicated to cyclocross. He really likes it. He feels like it's a race that's very accessible. He puts on a kids' race, an A race, and a B race makes it a very family-oriented event. They always get the Canada guys to come out with one of the demo trucks, so there's cool products on hand. They get their... Good prizes. Yeah, they. It, that's something about the outdoors race. If you come to the race, do not leave, because they're going to start at the bottom. Like, if there's 12 people in your category, they're going to start at number 13. Realize there wasn't 13 people. And number 12 <laughs> is getting a pint glass yeah. with some stickers and some other prizes in it. Number tw- 11 is getting a pint glass and some prizes and a hat. And so it's 10, 9, 8. I mean, you see what I'm getting at here. You're going to get your money's worth out of the race. And it's a very, very good experience. Um, it's one of the nicest races in town, I think, um, when you have that level of, of depth or that depth of history where you, you've done it for a long time. You know what works. You know what doesn't. Um, but the more important thing is a large portion of this reason, or a large part of the reason this race has been able to run for so long is because 
he volunteers his employees. So as an employee, your obligation is to come down and work, and you're compensated for that. Um, so if there is a race in your near vicinity, go help out with it however you can, whether if you're a local business and you can support the race in some way, whether it is, you know, if you have a port john business, offer to bring out port johns for the race because no one wants to have to wait around to take their pre-race deuce <laughs> and the last thing you want to happen is a race to get canceled because somebody had to poop in somebody's yard because the porta potties never showed up because the porta potty company flaked out. Um, yeah, the more the merrier on the porta potties. Yeah, and if you if if you don't have a porta potty company, you have a local beer company. Bring out a keg of beer and let people drink beer. And I guess what I'm getting at is support your local racing however you can. And something that's new here to town. For us, and something new for me to experience, is um, think about your local high school league as well. Um, I'm sure you can go into your closet and you can find, and this might not be for some people if you're just getting into riding, but I'm sure some people are... Who have just been at it a long time. Yeah, if you've been riding 5, 6, 10, 20 years, you can find two pairs of shoes, two pairs of shorts, and a handful of jerseys and an old helmet that you're never going to wear again. And if you donate those, you can honestly change the lives of a child in your community. And if someone in your community doesn't need it, they will pass it around the league until someone finds a use for it. And, I mean, what more could you ask for? I, I really wish there had been something like that when I was a kid. Um, unfortunately, That's what the shirts say. Yeah, exactly. Like, I wish we had this when I was in school. Yeah. And, I mean, it's very Definitely. true. I think things, you know, I, I probably would have been into that. But, you know, you live, you learn. Now all you can do is try to get back how you can, and that's really what I'd like you to do is, is really, however you can, give back to a local race, a local bike organization of some sort, even if it's just the Boys and Girls Club, something. Make a difference that promotes cycling in your community because the more people that are out riding, the greater the chance that that person driving down the road that passes you their kid, their neighbor, their cousin, their nephew, whatever, is a cyclist. The more cyclists there are, the more seven degrees of separation there will be from a cyclist. So more people will be compassionate towards us and more people will have fun doing what we like to do. And so. fewer people will have diabetes and obesity. Well, I mean, you can eat a lot of goo chomps. <laughs> so. You get addicted to goo chomps. Uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean that that was actually one thing brought up at the meeting over the uh, over the weekend out at the Mountain View U.S. Forest Service was Steve Schneider, the IMBA rep for Arkansas. Um, he mentioned, you know, we should, you know, it's, we need to keep the trail system open and accessible to everyone because. Uh, you know, like obesity, childhood obesity, um, teenagers being, you know, having type 2 diabetes, like that type of thing, which was actually a little, like afterwards, he's like, man, I hope I didn't, I hope I didn't uh, offend anyone. Offend the, uh, the, the ranger because the ranger who was there was uh, on the heavy side, but I don't think he did. Uh, it wasn't because of mentioning obesity if he did offend the ranger. Uh, yeah, I, I was posting stuff while you were talking, so I wasn't totally into the conversation. I was just saying that. I caught the end of it. But, so, that's how we get to talk about balls, is because there's been a race in Memphis for forever. Um, 
And for those of you that aren't... 27 years. 27 years. Also known as forever when you're 25 years old. <laughs> that race is older than you are. That race is older than me and my ball. So, <laughs> because we are, as a matter of fact, exactly the same age. We were not grown at different times due to um, hormones or anything like that. That doesn't work this direction. Anyways, um, Penny Patanod... I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. <clears throat> we are going to learn something from he this. He says maybe we can learn something from this. And, and what we're going to learn is when you go to a race like this, it's, it's kind of bumpy. I mean, it is like lacrosse. It's in the grass. It's not manicured grass. It's well-cut grass, and it's very raked and very nicely set yeah. up, but it's still grass. What happens when you try to go ham for an hour in this lumpy, thick grass is you get chafed. I got chafed. I don't know why. I do know why. It's because for the first half of the race, I sat on the rivet and pedaled like a man much more in shape than I am. And for the last half of the race, I sucked it up and tried not to lose too much ground as I fell out of the chase group I was in and were being like caught by the even more scrubby zone. So, I mean, Forrest Owens never caught you, and that's, he's not a scrub. The guys was, behind you weren't all total scrubs. I, was, I, I barely raced ahead of the scrub zone. Yeah, so, he did. But it took all the strength of this man to do so. And and that's what happened. Is I got chafed. I was wearing very comfortable clothes. <laughs> and uh, I ended up getting a little bit sore from all the bumping and jostling. And it made my balls hurt. So that's how we get to talk about balls. Because it actually has to do with cycling. And Not that my... Not that my saddle's wrong, not that anything's wrong with my bike fit or my clothes or anything like that. It's just when you pedal really hard, you're unweighting the saddle. So if you normally have 50 pounds on the saddle and you're pedaling really hard, you might only have 15 pounds on the saddle or 10 pounds on the saddle. And then on that rigid 35C bike with 35 PSI because I can't bring myself to run any less than those little bitty tires. <laughs> I ran 34 in the front, but I ran like... I do like 32 or 3 in the front on those tires. You have the Bulldogs on there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I run like low 30s in the front and then 34, 35 in the rear. And, you know... We yeah, weigh about the same. But I do think that my height plays a, a really big portion in my tire pressure choices. It's really hard to explain without seeing me, so the radio might be a hard way to do it, but when you think about someone that's really tall, when they lean the bike over, they're so far outside of the tire. Yeah, you know, like yeah. You, your like head longer, and shoulder. Your radius of exactly from the ground to the top of your head is higher. Right, so when I lean over, I have so much more leverage on the tire, so I just, I get a little nervous when I run real low pressures in smaller tires like that, but um, anyways, I did it. And it was great, but when, you, when you're running heavy pressure on the pedals and you're hitting bumps, the bike's going to jostle underneath you and you're going to get a lot of movement. A lot of movement's going to cause chafing. A lot of chafing causes you to come home, eat Mexican food, <laughs> take a shower, and then lie on the couch or the, the bed and uh, relax. So, yeah, and let your balls dry. So, now that we've talked about balls for 12 minutes during our hour-long episode... It wasn't all about balls. All about the ballsmen. So. Uh, we actually we have a question here from Tony Misovsky. 
hopefully I say that right. Because a couple of shows ago, you guys were talking about the lights and how you need 2,000 lumens to bike at night. By the way, I do 1,700, and I, I do all right, but I don't bike as, I, I don't ride as much at night as Kenny. As an adventure racer that does 24-hour races, I need to go light and have lighting options that are transferable between disciplines. I also need something cheap because biking lights generally have expensive battery packs. That led me to use flashlights. I can get a 1,000 lumen flashlight that runs off of an of, of a $11, 18650 battery, burns for one hour on high, many more hours at lower lumens, and only weighs 120 grams with the battery. I got a couple of two fish Velcro mounts that I use to mount one to my helmet and one to my bars. Just wanted to let mm-hmm. you guys know. Bars. Oh, bars, not balls. Just wanted to let you guys know that other options exist rather than buying a $300 light and an extra battery that will set you back another 100 plus. My well, setup may look ghetto, but it's brighter than shit, and I'm left with a few dollars in my pocket. <clears throat> That's let me, cool. Let me clear my throat here. Oh, God. Sorry, but when you're going to compare apples to apples, compare apples to apples. Not that we don't appreciate your question. Not that we don't appreciate your feedback. But if I wanted a light that burned for an hour, I would buy a light that burned for an hour. If I wanted yeah, a light that... what's the lumen... Like, when you say lower, what's He the, didn't say what his... What his... And uh, it probably, like, I guess the packaging for the light probably doesn't tell you, like, when you go to the lower setting... What, I got a... I get a thousand lumen flashlight. Okay, so your flashlight has a thousand lumens. That's cool, but we're not talking about thousand lumen lights. We're talking about lights that put off more than a thousand lumens, and we're talking about lights that burn for two yeah, hours. Yeah, like a blow. like a twelve hundred lumen light burning for three hours. And I because find it, it has a battery pack. And this is something that um, I talked with one of the actually had the chance to host uh, Dax Massey, the super fast single speed light and motion guy. Guy that is also a rep for light and motion. And he was saying he's really looking, and something that Light Motion is really looking for is a way to standardize that lumen testing. Um, because it's complete and total crap when you go to Target and there's a light that claims it makes, you know, a thousand lumens. Because guess what? It probably doesn't make a thousand lumens. Does the one from Light Motion make 1,500 lumens? I bet the one from Light Motion is a hell of a lot closer to making 1,500 lumens than the one from Target is to making a thousand lumens. Because the one from Target. No one is going to put it in the pink bike or MTBR or anything like that light shootout. So if you put a light out there on the market, in the mountain bike market, and you say it's going to make 3,000 lumens, and they do it in a light shootout and it's making 1,700 lumens, you might as well lock your front door and set the place on fire. Because <laughs> they, they, as in the mountain bike community, the comment section, the forums, all this, the reviews are going to be like, I paid through the nose for this light and I got ripped off. And, you know, again, it's not just a rip Tony to pieces too terribly because he's probably going to like want to come to Memphis and take a crap on my bike. But that's part of it too. Like you're, yeah, I mean, if you're talking about a, If that's working for you for adventure racing, because so one thing is we no, talk no, about like no. purpose. Oh well, no. you go ahead, and then I'm gonna give you a little bit of devil's advocate. Ignorance is bliss. I did a 12-hour race with a Nightrite Minute. Okay, for those of you out there that don't remember this piece of shit light, it makes 130 lumens. One, three, 
zero. I did a race with a 130 lumen light. You know what that means? Number one, I'm an idiot. And number two, <laughs> I sure as hell didn't know what a bright light looked like. So, when you factor those two things together, if Tony's never ridden with Knight Rider or Light in Motion or Gemini or some pretty legit bright light, you don't know what's out there. And if you just say, well, I've used my friend's light and it was really bright and da-da-da, but I wasn't, you know, it's not worth it, fine. But again, you got to compare apples to apples because for 100 bucks, you can get something from... Surface. Surface. Surface 150? No, you can get a 500 for 100 now. The really? 500 I is, thought the 500 was like 130 or 40 or something. I think it's one... No, I think it is now 100 or 125 because the 130 is down to like 60 or 80 bucks. Damn. So, but you can get a real surface light. Cat Eye is making a self-contained 1200 now, too. Yeah. I haven't read reviews yet, so I haven't bought one. I don't... I'm sorry, but no. I call I call bluff on that. Again, if it's working, great. If you're improvising, great. But there's a couple of things that I don't dick around with, and that's number one, suddenly not being able to see. So if you're Velcroing your light to your bike, I call horse crap on it. Because <laughs> if it bounces off, it's really, 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 really bad. Because you can't see because now your lights are gone. And number two, if your lights quit working in the dark, guess what? You can't see because now it's dark. So, those two things together, I definitely think it's worth the slightly higher investment to get a nicer, more quality, more purpose-built product than what you have. Yeah, I mean, even I'd, I'd even go somewhere in the middle and say get two of the Surface 500 lights. Put one on your helmet and one on your bars. Then you're going to have closer to a 1,000 lumens of light, more than likely, and yep. you're going to have a longer running battery, um, you know, a, a nice bike light. You know, it's it's pretty light. So he does say, Andrea, I heard you have done an adventure race before. Let me know if you're interested in doing another one and we can put a kick-ass four-person team together. You're not welcome anymore because I'm a dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to play a little bit of devil's advocate because I've been in three adventure races now. Um, two of them were solo. One, um, well, the two that were solo didn't really require orienteering. They were um, relatively easy to navigate because the points were plotted on a map that they gave us. So it was like a, a gigantic, like for this last one, a gigantic topographical map that was really hard to mess around with because it was... Uh, I mean, it was just huge, and I didn't have, like, a big map case or anything. I just, like, shoved it. In. Actually, I shoved it down the front of my jersey. Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, they do, you know, adventure racers are, they're a little bit of an odd bunch. Not not in the same way that, like, triathletes are an odd bunch. But, you know, you have some people that are, like, that are relatively fast on mountain bikes, but they're riding in, like, tennis shoes and flat pedals because they want to not carry an extra set of shoes with them. Um, personally, I put a pair of shoes in my pack and I was fine. And I, I did the running part of the second, of this, the, the adventure race that I did just a, a couple months ago in uh, Knoxville, I just carried shoes with me and it was, it was no big deal at all, um, because they were pretty light shoes. 
Um, so, you know, they're a little bit odd bunch, and they do weird shit like that. Um, so, Tony, I understand you do weird shit. Um, <laughs> but I would agree with Matt that that flashlight you're using or the flashlights that you're using probably aren't a thousand lumen. Um, but if they're really working for you, I mean, I guess they're, you know, they're working for you and that's, that's fine. Um, but I would suggest at least just trying something a little better than that and see if you'd like it better. Um, the other thing I was going to say, and I hope Tony doesn't take it the wrong way, is adventure racers typically aren't moving as fast as someone doing like a cross-country race or a, like a 12-hour race or 6-hour race or some lap race at night. Um, you're usually moving a little slower. And that's kind of the problem that I had with the team adventure race that I did was the uh, guys that I was with, one of them was definitely a little, not as strong on the bike, and I offered to tow him and even had, like, the necessary equipment to do that, which is common. I mean, that's totally legal in adventure racing is to tow one of your teammates. Um, it happens all the time. It's totally legal. And he would not accept a tow from me because he did not want to be towed by the woman on his team. Um, so that kind of turned me off from team adventure racing. If that's not how your four-person team rolls, or the other you and the other two people you have, I do it so good. I don't need nobody help. Yeah, I mean, if you guys have someone who's a kick-ass orienteering person, and you are really just like a baller-ass adventure race team, and you just need like the ringer woman to join your team, mm -hmm. I would be glad to do it. Um, but you know, if you have someone, if if, if you have someone that's that's lagging behind and not willing to, <laughs> to take any help. Um, that's, I would find that frustrating and, and I wouldn't be as willing to do that. But, you know, if, if the first is your, uh, your situation, then, then get with me, send me an, send me an email, um, Andrea at BrickHouseRacing.com or Andrea at MountainBikeRadio.com and we can talk about it. Um, we can, we can go ahead and move on. Ben said, I used to start. When I started night riding, I used a single bulb, 100 lumen light. Yeah, that's how a lot of people start. And he's like, now I'm good at night. It's like, no, no, you're just good at night riding, Ben. When I started riding, I used a minute, and I can't see for shit at night. I can barely drive my car at night, let alone, like, night ride. I don't know. I just, that's another thing for me. I don't see well at night at all. I can't. I have to take my glasses off when I drive my car at night because my glasses, like, it, there's something about night and lights and trying to get through the darkness that doesn't do well for me. So, yeah. Um, we had a question on my Facebook page. I've got 560 likes now. Ain't that some shit? Mm, I guess so. Um, Kyle Bova says, how about some more info and review on your nimble wear kits and clothing? I'm looking at them for my 2014 kits. Any info on the quality and comfort would be excellent. Thanks. Um, actually, I I am very very happy with my nimblewear stuff. Um, as long as your quads are not the size of mats, I think you will be happy because the small shorts on him were not small enough because of the leg opening size. Um, but other than that, that's the only complaint I've heard about them. Uh, you will have a choice of chamois. Uh, I would highly recommend the Endurance chamois. 
Uh, it seems very thick and bulky the very first time you put it on, but after you ride it and wash it two or three times, it is exceptionally comfortable. Um, I haven't had any problems with mine. Uh, I have kind of worn my shorts out, but that's because I have three pairs of their shorts, and I've worn them to ride thousands of miles. So that just happens with bike shorts. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really it. I really like their stuff. They've got some cool stuff for 2014. They've got, like, a new lightweight fabric. They do a skin suit, like a time trial skin suit that's long sleeves but all mesh, like a mesh fabric. So it's really, really lightweight, and it's got thumb holes in it. So it's super aero if that's your, you know, if that's your cup of tea. Um, they've got a new reflective fabric series. So not only is it, like, a bright printed fabric, um, it is like when you shine a light on it, it reflects really bright um, like a reflector. So that's really cool too. So you, you pretty much like in car headlights or something, you, you light up like your entire kit will be reflective if you get that stuff. Uh, yeah, so go for it. Do it. Get nimble wear stuff. Um, Matt, did you, wanna, did you have anything else in mind that you really wanted to talk about? It's only 825. I got a new shock. Yeah? I got a new shock for my bicycle. How'd you, how'd you manage to get that? My, my Monarch R wasn't doing so well, so it was warrantied, and I got a Monarch RT3, and I installed it tonight, and I rode it down the street, and it is at least 12 million times better, and it only weighs 2 ounces, or 2 grams, and <laughs> it airs itself up, it even installed itself, and I did acid. So, you should acid. No, I'm saying like to think all those things happen, I must be on drugs. Uh, no, it. I don't know. I rode it up and down the street, and I was like, I want this to be awesome, so it is in my mind. Um, I'll have to ride it on the trail to figure it out, but we're going to get some freak weather tomorrow, so I don't know. When... It's going to be like 40 with 20-mile-an-hour winds up to 30-mile-an-hour gusts. Yeah, that's kind of freak weather. That's just so weird. Like, it, it goes from like... 70 today. 70 and gorgeous. That was that storm rolling in on that southerly breeze. Yeah. So we got like this warm front south flow coming in. And we yeah. get this cold front from the north coming in. And they're about to collide like right on top of our face and be like, eh. Balls. Balls. So, <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much it, looking at the forecast, the temperature drops two or three degrees per hour from now until tomorrow at like 11 and then it, it kind of plateaus off during the middle of the day and then it, it starts like tanking again so do you follow you follow michael whistle on uh on twitter don't you no okay I mean, we're not going to talk whistleisms okay he's the one who says go to plaid when he's talking about going too hard at the beginning of a race oh yeah um he was a he was a, i met him at transylvania epic and he's a really funny guy um it's at, I can't even, I, I can't really pronounce his Twitter name, but it's L-A-T-I-M-E-R-I-I-D-A-E. -E. Um, if you want to have a go at that, you can. But he, he tweeted, how could I have forgotten the cinematic majesty that is Kindergarten Cop? And then he, he, he lists three quotes from Kindergarten Cop, and he says, I would like to thank Kindergarten Cop for costing me at least two followers. So that's that's like the hot shit going on on Twitter right now is Michael Whistle losing followers because of Kindergarten Cop. He goes to Plaid, so that's cool. Um, 
I can talk a little bit about the stuff we did with the forest service in Silmo, just because that was pretty awesome. I mean, I raced on Sunday. My race wasn't nearly as exciting as yours. Um, so pretty much I was racing in what I want to think is the scrub zone. So there was like an elite group for our area that was like off the front. I lined up first row, by the way. And he, he did the first lap in the first row, too. Yeah, because I don't fuck around. He put the sled. I wasn't going. That first lap wasn't that hard. It was the second lap that got hard. Yeah. Because it's not like they really went faster. It's just that. It didn't slow down. It's not even that it didn't slow down. I know that that sounds crazy. But it just went a little bit harder. And it went a little bit harder. So, like. I ended up doing a couple, I made a couple of stupid mistakes and and for some reason wasn't okay just sliding back. So I tried tacking back on and then that like, it started to, that was the beginning of the implosion. Um, so I lined up first row and yeah, I went hard. Also, I've, I've raced one other race this year and that was on my single speed mountain bike and I did like three dismounts before my shoe broke. So I've had a lot of cross training this year. Uh, <laughs> my cyclocross training has been really deep. Um, that's all of it. Uh, How many times have you ridden that bike since? I've ridden that bike like four times. Yeah. Yeah. But it does use SRAM, and my road bike has SRAM, so it's not like it's that big of a deal. It has mini yeah. V's instead of cantilever brakes. Yeah, yeah, we switched brakes. Oh, that's we should good. talk about that. Yeah, like, we both use V-brakes. Like, I, I got the TRP, like, the baller V-brakes, and uh, those things are nice. Like, you know, I had said last time that on the cantilevers, um, on the cantilever brakes with carbon rims, like, I wasn't real happy with being able, like, the modulation and the power for, like, the really technical twisty courses. Granted, this wasn't a technical twisty course, but I could definitely tell... Um, they acted a lot more like what I was used to with like a road, like a standard road caliper. Um, yeah, the, the, the TRP, well, and even the mini V's, um, the problem was with the mini V, like the cheap ones that I couldn't find a carbon compatible brake pad or brake pad holder that would fit in those. Yeah. So, um, I went with the TRPs and I'm super happy with them. Like they are, those are some great brakes. And if you don't, race in some really heavy mud, I would highly recommend those. Um, the pad to rim clearance is pretty close. So if you got into a lot of mud, you're going to some rub. Um, you also have to have the very true wheels. Like if you knock your wheel out of true, you know, you're also going to get some rub just because of that. So, you know, they do have their downsides, but, you know, if that works for you, like if you are just going to be kind of a slightly more fair weather section, um, and you true your wheels every now and then, you're you're going to be fine, and I would definitely uh, go with the V-brakes. What I would say is, a, a better way to put it, is if you're going to race your cross bike recreationally, so if you're going to say, hey, I might go race cross if it's local. I'm going to commute on this bike. I might ride it on the roads. Um, go with V-brakes. They work so much better. The amount of hand strength that it takes is just yeah. They're they're super nice. They have a lot of modulation, a lot of power, but they're expensive. Some of them are. Yeah, you have arm. So if you get TRPs, they're like one hundred and fifty dollars for both wheels. 
right? Yeah, yeah, there's something. I mean, they're expensive. They're, they're three digits, right? Yeah. Even yeah. if you get them from, like, the bay or, like... But if it's a comparable quality road brake. Right, we're talking about the average person that's yeah. running, like, an average shorty four or, like, a, a, a tech truck can't stop, won't stop, or, like, a... a what is that brake? Like, you know, if your bike came with, like, FSA brakes or... Oh, God, even those expensive FSA cantilevers... Don't it doesn't matter how light and how expensive they are. Really, the only cantilever brake that works, like on an alloy rim, uh, that works really well is the Shorty Ultimate. Um, you know, if you have out, if you're doing alloy rims, um, you know, the Shorty Ultimates are to be pretty usable. Yeah. So what I have is the Tektro. That wasn't just dead air. I had a really wicked burp that I like. <laughs> like that was hard. That was real hard. Was it like almost a verp? No, it was just like, oh man, this burp won't stop. There's just more and more, more burp coming out. You should have just burped in the microphone. No, but like Roll if I it. if I burped harder, it probably would have been a little like a chicken smoothie. Ugh. So, anyways. <laughs> Um, I have Tektro 926As. They're much more affordable. They come uh, $30, $35 for both, you know, front and rear. Um, they are 100% drop bar lever compatible, so they work with regular brake levers, brake and shift levers. Don't ever call it a brifter. I will hunt you down, and I will I will cut your bike in half with a dull butter knife. Um, <laughs> Because they are not brifters, they are not brakes, they, they are shifters. Because no one makes drop bar shifters. They make shift brake levers that you call a shifter. Rant. Just just don't do it. Brifters are stupid. You, you're not an idiot. Don't say that ever. <laughs> um, anyways, they're cheap. They work well. They're probably not the lightest thing in the world. They're really not sexy. They do come in black or silver, so... You can really, uh, you can really match it to they're your just, bike. I mean, they're plain brakes. They're, they're just nice. But yeah, they're very understated. They just say Tektro 926A in white on the black ones, and the silver ones have it in black. I mean, they're not going to clash with your bike, um, and they're going to improve your stopping power a lot, a whole lot. Um, so I think you should get them. Uh, I really like them. I, I am much more likely to ride a cross bike with V brakes than I am a cross bike with regular brakes. Um, and honestly, I wish a long time ago when cross bike was my only drop bar bike, I'd known about this because I think it would have made it would have made me a more comfortable road racer when I was road racing on my cross bike. Um, I know I could have just bought a road bike, but um, no, you didn't. Have the, you didn't have yeah. the funds. At I, did, time. I didn't want to get in like a bunch of debt over a stupid bike that I could crash. So I just was like out there doing it, racing cat fives on my uh, my cross bike. You know. Yeah, so. like you do. Um, but you know, it was just. I mean, they're cool. They work really well. Yeah. We Everyone like, should have a pair. We are a proponent of V-brakes on cross bikes. Good thing Kenny's not here because he would say something about, like, disc brakes or some shit. Uh, I mean, if you really were going to... Oh, there was, there, was, there was a yawn. Did you just yawn and burp or just, just yawn? Just yawned. Okay. Um, Tony says, I will gladly let you tow me. <laughs> which means he's slow, which means I... You know, do I want to be on his adventure racing team? I don't know. 
<laughs> no. The answer is no. I like adventure racing. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, but it's just the situation has to be right. Like this time, like recently, it was just like an off season thing, so it worked out really well. Um, you know, so it's 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 got to be the right people in the right place and time. So it's it's a case by case basis. Um, oh yeah, I was going to talk a little bit about Silmo, and then we could maybe wrap it up early if no one calls in. That's what she said. What wrap it up early? Wrap it up. <laughs> Uh, so Friday, I went to Silmo, or actually to Mountain View, Arkansas. Don't tell people about it. They'll start going. <laughs> we actually need people to start going. We need people to go to Mountain View, Arkansas and get a hotel room there, not at the day's end, somewhere like the Pinewood Lodge cabins or, a, you know, like go to the, you can go to the Chamber of Commerce and ask them, where can I rent a cabin? And they will tell you where you can rent a baller ass cabin for not a whole lot of money. So here's a, a better way to put it. If you were going to go to a mountain bike race in downtown Nashville, you would go get a, um, you would go get a hotel room. When you go to Mountain View, Arkansas, this is a different place. This is, and I'm not trying to be too silly about it. You really are stepping into a different world. The Walmart is the biggest thing there. You're stepping into a very country and very simple place. You need to get a cabin, number one, because there's not a lot to eat there. So you need the full amenities so you can go to Walmart and buy whatever you want and cook for yourself. Number two, there are places no, to eat. They're just not number great. two, it's a dry county. Yeah, it is a dry so county. So you're going to want to be able to cook so you can eat and drink in the comfort of your cabin. Because number three, if you drink and drive, you're an idiot. But number three and a half, if you drink and drive there, you're going to die because you're in the mountains. So that is, that's, that's, that's why you need to get a cabin. Um, just to add to that, they have allowed in Stone County, which is the county where the Silmo Trails are and where Mountain View is. Um, they have made it to where restaurants can call themselves a private club. And if you are a club member, which is generally free and only requires you to show your ID and sign a form, um, you can purchase alcohol from that location. Most other locations, if they are not a private club, will allow you to bring your own alcohol if you go. Um, Tommy's Pizza in town is delicious. Tommy's Pizza is great, and Tommy is a really interesting More importantly, what guy. about the trails? What's wrong with I, well, the, Why are the trails so good, and how could they be... Why did they used to be so good? Why are they not so good? What can be done by everyone to make them better in the future? My boobs hurt. <laughs> Sorry. You were talking about your balls. Lady balls. <laughs> They're on their chest. <laughs> um, okay, so anyway. So the Silmo Trails, Mountain View, Arkansas. It's a weird little town because it's also a town of about 2,000 people. And it's got eight banks. Um, so it's... It runs the gamut. There are some, you know, it's a it's a backwoods country town, but at the same time, there's a lot of money there. But anyway, um, so the Silmo Trails. If you notice, the NUE, the National Ultra Endurance Series, um, does not have Silmo on the schedule this year. 
Um, pretty much the last two years, the trails have been in pretty bad shape. Um, and those are the two years where the the um, NUE series did a 125-kilometer race along with the yearly Selma's Revenge 50-mile race. The reason why the trails are in such bad shape is, for one, it's such a remote area. Um, it's hard to get people there to actually work on the trails. Um, two, they are doing a large amount of logging, which that's normal for national forests. Um, that's what they do in national forests. They log off sections and they replant them with trees and they grow back. Um, that's what the National Forest Service does. That's that's what they're in charge of. That's why we're not wiping our ass with toilet paper. I mean, like, that's why our toilet paper we wipe our ass with isn't made out of plastic. Um, is because it's made out of trees that they get from national forests. So it's not that logging is a bad thing that we want to stop. We're not being tree huggers. But logging is destroying sections of the trail because when they log a section of the woods that contains the trail, they drive logging equipment over the trail. They leave logging debris on the trail. They cut down the trees that have the blazes on them that mark the trail. Um, so there are trail intersections that are no longer marked. Um, the trail itself is covered up in debris and you can't follow it. Um, debris. Debris, yeah. So you can't follow it. Um, and then even if we go out and clear those sections and remark them and, you know, like find the blazes that are laying on the ground and lay them on the ground like next to where the trail should be, um, in the future, like the next few years following that, since there's no tree canopy, that part of the trail gets massively overgrown, like terribly, terribly overgrown. In a hurry. Yeah, like within, I mean, in Arkansas, it's, it's basically the Mid-South is almost like it's a subtropical environment. Like it's actually considered a subtropical climate. So when we have, um, you know, it, when it's spring and summer here, stuff just grows like crazy. I mean, it rains enough and there's enough sun um, that it just, the overgrowth is, incredible like there are parts of the trail that even right now even after it's frozen like once or twice um the red trail which is just one of the loops out there you can't ride it right now you literally the the overgrowth is so thick that you cannot physically pass through the trail without being torn to shreds by thorns and covered in ticks so you know that that's what we're fighting with um we had a meeting on friday with someone from the Forest Service. And when I say we, um, there's there's actually a group of probably about 10 people that are doing a trail work and trying to be organized. But um, four of us out of that group met with Steve Schneider, who is the Arkansas EMBA representative. Um, by the way, is I can't imagine anyone else being the right person for his job because he is so enthusiastic and so passionate about preserving and building, you know, new trails, preserving the trails that are here. Um, it's amazing. Like, he's just, he's, ener he's one of those people that's just energizing to be around. You know, like, he gives you hope. Like, you meet him, and you hear him talk about the trails, and you're like, you know what, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, because he's just like that, you know. But anyway, we met with the Forest Service. Apparently, anytime they approve logging, um, it's, they have to have a public hearing about it first. And the Forest Service had never told anyone that. 
So that's one problem. Um, we're going to start getting notice of those and go to the public hearings. We're going to try to get a corridor um, on either side of the trail to where they actually don't log off of the trail. They just log around it. Um, try to limit the amount of equipment crossing the trail, like limit it to one spot. You know, if it's just like one 40-foot wide section of trail that they run heavy equipment over, we can repair that in a day or two pretty easily. You know, we just, there. you know, it's going to be a part that gets a little overgrown, but it's it's generally going to be a, a small section compared to what they're doing now, so it's it's definitely more manageable. Um, yeah, so, you know, we're, we're going to try doing that. Um, Steve's wife, actually, on Saturday morning while we were doing trail work and riding a little bit, um, she went into town and talked to some of the local businesses and you know, kind of got a feel for what people think about the trail t tourism. Um, you know, all the local businesses that she talked to were really, really concerned because pretty much the city of Mountain View runs off of tourism. It's considered the folk music capital of the world. But in the wintertime, not a lot of people come there for folk music. Um, they get a lot of, like, Harleys and stuff in the summer. Oh. Yeah. So... You know, they're really the, the city of Mountain View, Arkansas runs off of tourists um, for the most part. So they want anything that's drawing in tourists, whether it's, you know, bird watchers or hikers or cyclists or runners or whatever. Um, if something is putting tourism of any sort in danger in that area, they see it as a threat to their livelihood. So, you know, they're, they're all very willing to uh, help out with our cause. So pretty much what we're doing is uh, those of us that have been doing trail work, um, actually not as much me, but um, uh, Frank and Wes, we're going to work on getting the paperwork filled out for a 501c3, which is a nonprofit organization. Uh, we're starting a nonprofit, and that way we can um, accept donations. And anyone who donates will get a 100% tax write-off for their donation. So it's a mix of fundraising, um, you know, getting local businesses involved for fundraising and just general support. Um, Steve's going to go to a Chamber of Commerce meeting coming up soon and talk to them about it and give a little presentation about, you know, what trails do for a community. Um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm very ho and I'm very hopeful, you know, that it's going to turn out well because right now the trails are, the parts that have never been touched by logging are in beautiful condition. Um, occasionally, you know, you get some fallen trees or something, but um, you know, the parts that have been logged off are really, really hard to deal with. Yeah, chill out, man. Yeah, I got cold. <laughs> Just this one arm got cold. Matt's, Matt's one arm got cold. It's that poison ivy. It is. You got plant AIDS. I got plant AIDS <laughs> all over me. <laughs> Matt's got poison ivy, so he's on steroids. Yeah, I am. I am definitely on steroids. And before you know it, I'm going to, like, roid rage and eat this microphone, so. <laughs> um, well, that's bath salts. Never mind. <laughs> oh, bath salts. Uh, it looks like Ben posted... It's MN Bike Trail Navigator, which I'm guessing is has been one of his Twitter things. Um, the Light and Motion Taz 1000 with a Stella 500 mounted on his helmet. Brightness looks like a gravel road. 
picture. Uh, Great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Until I have car lights on my bike, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm probably, depending on what my race season does next year, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do, but I, I do, in the next year or two, want to do the Vapor Trail 125, so I'm, I'm definitely going to be looking at at light setups real soon, because like, mine's not going to be quite enough for that, I don't think. Uh, Tell least, you um, what, you ought to get a donkey. They don't need no lights. You can ride a donkey in a Vapor Trail race. <laughs> I bet I could. Donkeys are fucking tough. And then I'm gonna burrow. And then when it gets light outside, can I get a miniature then when it gets light outside, you can take your bike off the burrow and shoot it and leave it on the trail. Shoot the burrow? It's light outside. You won't need it anymore. Uh, he M N B T N Mountain Bike Trail Navigator is not me. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't know that. I just figured Ben was like everyone on Twitter. Ben and Adam Meyerson, same person. <laughs> Dude. Dude, it's so crazy. I knew somebody that had multiple Twitter handles that would have conversations with themselves through Twitter, and it was so weird. <laughs> I had to unfollow all of it, every all, single one of all, them. How many of them were there? At least three. Like personal and two businesses? No, like fake people. Just fake people? Fake people. This person had fake people. This person had fake people. Wow. That's pretty bad. Yep. <laughs> it sounds like something Lance Armstrong would do. <laughs> oh, man. We should probably... And for Lance, that would be balls. <laughs> oh, that I totally didn't... You set mean, me up for I that. did not mean to set you up for another ball joke. Oh, man. So now that Mountain Bike Radio has officially jumped the shark, I don't think we can recover from the ball episode. Um, we've got someone else, Fred, talking about what he uses uh, for lights. Knight Rider Lumina 700s, one for the bar, one for the helmet. That is a pretty universal thing. You should have, even if you are strapping flashlights to yourself with duct tape, you need a helmet light. And you need a handlebar light. Because the helmet light lets you see where you're looking. And then the handlebar light lets you see what's right in front of you. Um, so definitely both of those, no matter what you're using. Uh, let me make sure that no one else asks any questions before we sign off 10 minutes early. There was a guy on a, a Pugsley doing some bike packing. He looks real happy. He's got a frame bag. Um... Revelate seat bag and handlebar harness. Yeah, so he's got like the typical back bike packing setup where he's got like a, a triangle bag, he's got a handlebar bag, and then a seat bag. Um, he looks real stoked with it too in his photo. God, that thing must be so hard to pedal. <laughs> he looks happy. Uphill. He looks happy. He's stoked. He's cool. He's smiling. He's probably going downhill, but you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that was pretty much it. Let me double check my Brickhouse Racing page. Yeah, yeah, we just have Kyle asking about the Nimbleware kits. All right, you want to leave 10 minutes early? Nine minutes early? Should we start doing um, half an hour earlier, like doing shows at 7.30 instead of 8? Wait, Ben told me I'm fired. 
Why did Ben tell you you're fired? I don't know. Ben told me I'm fired. Where? Like on Twitter? Yeah. I didn't see it because I'm not you. It sounds like it's going to be the you and Kenny show because I got fired. Uh-oh. So if anyone wants to weigh in on should Matt be fired, he's at Beanpole Matt on Twitter. Um, if anyone wants to let us know if we should maybe start doing the show at 7.30 now that Daylight Savings Time is over, um, you know, maybe let us know on at Mountain Bike Radio on Twitter or uh, on the Facebook page. So, yeah. We should probably uh, GTFO. Let me find that sound clip I was going to play. Say something so I don't have dead air. Something. <laughs> I figured you'd say bald again. I don't know if you have that time. Uh, that, that you don't have time to find that. I totally have time to find that. We should sign off now. I don't want to find, sign off now. I'm tired of talking about nothing. <laughs> You're just scrolling through and looking for a clip from Beavis and Butthead. I know. It's good, though. <laughs> I really don't like Beavis and Butthead. You're too young for Beavis and Butthead. I am. This is done. End episode. Good night. Sorry. Sorry, we have some bedhead. It's stupid. Sorry. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mountain Bike Radio. Be sure to head over to mountainbikeradio.com to find a full listing of all the shows, recent episodes, archives, and you can buy some swag. T-shirts, socks, stickers, And you can become a member in which you get deals on coaching, nutrition, products, and a whole bunch of other things. So be sure to head over to mountainbikeradio.com and you'll find all the info you need. Thank you.